Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn with The Autumn Miles Show. I'm obsessed with y'all. I'm just so obsessed with you guys. It has been such a treat this week to talk to I don't call them followers or fans because, listen, we're all following Jesus. Uh, family members, family members from our social media following. And it's it's really been incredible to um, just hear what God has done in their lives. Um, like I've told you a couple times before, we are highlighting my new book. You're going to get sick of it, but it's okay. I am Rahab. I am Rahab. If you ha- it's not rehab. It's Rahab, okay? Uh, it will auto-correct your hashtag. Let me just tell you to rehab because Rahab, not a lot of people naming their kids Rahab, Dan. Nobody, no, no one names them that, but, uh, you know, we love her. Uh, so that's what we're talking about this week, and um, we're going to talk about this for the next two weeks. The book releases... Um, on August 21st. So you're hearing this about a week before the book releases. So you can pre-order it now. You can pre-order it anywhere books are sold. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I want we're talking to like modern day Rahabs. Okay. Y'all hear all about my story all the time, but I think it's important to bring other people in and just to to hear how the story of Rahab has encouraged their life as well. And we have one of our most incredible family members from social media, Sharis Glick. She is on the show today, and she's going to tell us a little bit about Rahab herself. How are you, Sharis? Welcome to the show. I'm good. Thank you. I um, First of all, you're from Montana, and I've never been to Montana, but I'm about to go to to speak for your group of, of women's um, ministry. I think it's a ministry, right? Is that right? In Montana? Yeah, we have a ministry, and then we're just trying to reach women in the uh, around our community to try to let them understand what our roles are, what God intended our roles to be, and that wasn't to be dormant, and to try to get them to understand that their sins don't make their relationship with Christ. It's how they choose to use their sin for their testimony. Okay, amen. And uh, get right with God. So That's amazing. Okay, so I'm going to be going to Montana to hang out with Shara's here in a, a month from today. Um, but uh, she has such an incredible Rahab story and, um, Sharis, I want, I want you to just tell us a little bit about your background and about your testimony. God has brought you through so much. And if you would be willing, we would love to, um, you know, hear from you about it. For sure. Okay. So, um, part of my testimony is I, um, am not only a survivor of childhood sexual molestation, but I also got married when I was 16 and had my first child and was in a very abusive relationship, um, all forms of different types of abuse. Um, and I finally got out of that, and it was really, really difficult. Um, but through the years of, uh, of that, I heard comments like, you are white trash, you are worthless, the only way somebody will love you is if you're on your back. Um, mm. You're nothing but used goods and stuff. So. Um, after I got divorced, I became very promiscuous because I was looking for five minutes of love, somebody to love me, and it never filled the void. And um, when I started going back to church and everything, I started 
learning a little bit more about where my identity needed to come from, and my identity didn't come from what happened to me as a child or what happened to me in my marriage or what I was doing. My identity came through Christ, and, and that's what I needed to focus on. And then I married this amazing man who I've been married to for seven years now, and he does everything he can to tell me that I am loved, I am worthy, I am beautiful, I am so valuable, I am priceless, and, and stuff. So with, between him and getting into God's Word and learning what my identity is with Christ and knowing that my um, promiscuity, my all that different kind of stuff, that um, my story isn't defined by that. My story is defined by what God is going to use my testimony, testimony to do to further His kingdom. Oh, my goodness. That was a mouthful. <laughs> you said Sorry. so many. Ama- no, I love it. You said so many amazing things um, that I, wa- I want to kind of go back so we can so our listeners can just we can unpack this a little bit. So um, you said you were sexually abused as a child and then married when you were 16. So how yes. so 16? I was married when I was 18 and to an abusive man. But 16 is just super young. I mean, I have a daughter who's almost 13. So that's, you know, I, I just can't imagine her being married in the in the coming few years. Talk to me about how that happened, um, getting married at 16. Can, can you talk to us a little bit about that process? And Sure. Go for so, it. So um, I ended up getting, um, I was with the, with the guy for um, a little bit, and I ended up, uh, getting pregnant, and once uh, he found out that I was pregnant, I was just going to be a single mom and let him be apart. So I think it's very important for kids to have both mom and dad. But him and his family insisted that we get married, and um, they, you know, sat down and met with my parents, and my parents were really hesitant because they just really weren't liking the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but all these promises were made and, and all that different kind of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. My parents are amazing. They're my best friends in the world, and they they hold this as a very big regret for them. But um, they went ahead and okayed it because they thought that's what I wanted, and um, they wanted, you know, our chi- their grandchild to be raised by the parents and all that kind of stuff. So I got married, and at first, you know, just like anyone, you get into a relationship and you think they're, um, Prince Charming, and yeah. right after we got married, it's it, I got isolated from my family for the first year. Um, it just got really abusive. I was always last and everything, and I, I almost lost my second daughter um, when I was pregnant with her just before I had left him. Um, I ended up in preterm labor and almost lost her and was put on strict bed rest because she was in the birth canal. And after that, with no support there, I was like, I can't do it. And I left. So was he abusive before you married him, Sharis? No. Okay. Uh, manipulative. Yeah. You know, now that I look back, manipulative, but not abusive. It wasn't until um, after we got married that around New Year's, that's when the abuse really just kind of started, the verbal abuse and um, yeah. and everything. And then it went to physical being pushed and kind of locked in a room, the phone being jerked out of the wall so you couldn't call anybody, um, the tearing me down and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, before I left my ex-husband, if I wouldn't have left, I prob- my life probably would have ended in suicide because I was so sick with who I was and the way that I looked that I literally could not look at myself in the mirror without getting physically sick because of how 
mentally and emotionally, I was torn down. Um, Sharis, did you get uh, an arc of the book? Did you win a book or no? I I didn't. I think okay. your um, one of your assistants was going to try to mail me one. Okay, okay. Um, it's it's actually fascinating to me how closely related our stories are, and just just from hearing you, this this book is going to minister to you a lot. Um, just I think I, I I know that God's brought you such freedom, but sometimes it's so good just to have someone say, "Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, she went. She, what what I was feeling. I'm not crazy. Someone else went through that same thing. Um, it's going to be. I think it's going to be really interesting uh, for you just to see how closely related our stories are. So um, you married him at 16, then he became abusive. How long were you married uh, to your ex-husband, Charis? Um, seven years by the time the divorce was final, but I was with him for five years before I left. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, okay. Um, and what was that moment? So you, then you, you transitioned to, you kind of went crazy and went real promiscuous and, and stuff like that. Um, and you had two kids, is that right? Um, I I actually, I had two kids with him, and then I ended up getting pregnant with my youngest, and I gave her up for adoption because I was going through a, a tremendous custody battle. I was broke because he took all of our money and hid it, and um, I couldn't take care of her. So I ended up giving her up for an open adoption to a family that I had known most of my life and, and stuff. So, yeah, three kids. Oh, my goodness. So what was that moment that you kind of found the Lord and was like, Okay, uh, um, he, he changed your life. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, so I had always kind of had a relationship with God and, and stuff, but after I left, I went to a church up where my parents left, lived, and I wanted to make sure my divorce was going to be kind of in line with biblical principles because I never wanted to go through a divorce. Yeah. And um, they gave me the, the okay. They said, you know, God's not going to condemn you for this. He knows what's going on. And stuff, um, and I, I had gone to church, was involved in worship ministry and all that kind of stuff, but I think the time where God really finally got a hold of me is when I married my husband, that I'm married to now, and after my mom died, um, mm. probably about five years ago, um, God really kind of got a hold of me and said, look, you've got you to gotta let go, mm. and you got to stop living in fear and condemnation, and you got to stop worrying about what everybody thinks because it's not a matter of what they think. It's a matter of what I think, and um, mm. really kind of just helping me build myself out of my comfort zone and um, going through that. But I think throughout the whole time, um, through my trauma, I got involved in the criminal justice system in, in helping women deal with this kind of stuff. And I think God had been slowly using my testimony to help other women through it, but I never really saw the way that he was trying to do it to not only help them, but heal me. Wow. Wow. That's really, really good. Wow. Um, okay. So uh, you, you, I didn't, I didn't know what part of the book I kind of wanted to focus on with you, but I think since our stories are closely related, um, you'll get the book and there's a chapter in the book. It's called, I am conquering. Um, and I remember my, um, going through everything that I went through with my, my, uh, ex-husband and the abuse and, um, everything that you sort of described, I, I'm very much understand. Um, and then when I met my, my husband who I've been married to for 14 years, um, it was like this guy, 
<laughs> I remember telling him, you are not real. Like, you're too good. Like, you're going to you're gonna disappoint me. I don't believe half the stuff that you say because it's just too good. It's too nice. And um, we sort of, I sort of battled his authenticity for a long time because I didn't believe that there was actually a man out there that would treat me with respect. And I remember we had, we had, we, you know, after 14 years of marriage, you go through stuff, even in, even in a good marriage, you have to, you have to work for it. Um, and I remember we were having just such, just a crazy year. And I wrote this in the book, but, um, a year where it was, I was kind of looking at him and we were dealing with some issues and we actually had, we went to counseling just to kind of work through some stuff. Cause it just didn't seem like we were getting anywhere on our own. And, um, the counselor, um, spoke up and he said something, it was a video series. And I remember him talking and, and, and he, he started talking about this thing in his own marriage that he had gone through. Um, and he used the word triggers and the word triggers really, I identifies with, identified with that. And a trigger is basically something that happens, an event, a song, a smell, whatever it is that takes you back to, maybe a horrific time in your life or, or an addiction or something like that. And as soon as he said the word triggers, I realized that there were a lot of things in my current marriage that my awesome husband was triggering. And he didn't even know, like one of the things that I talk about in the book is surprises. I do not like surprises. I have not since my first marriage liked surprises. Um, and I never knew why, because you're supposed to like surprises. Like when someone gets you a gift, you're supposed to love it. You're supposed to whatever. Like when your husband brings home flowers, you're supposed to like that. And, um, I never did. I, I was almost always on defense when he would try to surprise me with something. And I learned just like Rahab in the story, um, in the story of Rahab, I learned something that was very, very powerful. Um, Israel had to conquer Jericho before they could possess the promised land. And I realized after I heard that word trigger that there were a lot of areas in my life that were Jericho's called triggers, that I was trying to move into the promised land of my new marriage. I was trying to move into a new thought process. I was trying to move into this amazing um, relationship with awesome kids and whatever. And I had never quite defeated the Jericho of the many triggers um, that I had in my life. And one of the things that I bring out in the book is that Israel and Jericho were never supposed to be neighbors. They were never supposed to be neighbors. Israel had to defeat. And Sharis in stories like ours, um, that's one very, very powerful concept for us to do the work of defeat, to do the work, to sit down and say, okay, what are some things that I, I need to deal with? I need mean, so we have to face some things in our lives and we have to work through them with the with the power of the word of God and the spirit of God and um, um, our communities that that God gives us. What is the work that I need to do in order to defeat this Jericho so I can possess my promised land? And I'm telling you, that was one of the most freeing things um, that that has happened in my life, learning to defeat Jericho's in my life that, you know, you know, cities that are built and that are fortified and that are protected. Um, but we don't actually identify that we need to defeat them in order to fully possess what God has for us. 
Um, how does that, does that encourage you? I know you haven't read the book yet, Shars, but does that encourage you in, in your own, um, in your own faith right now? It does, because, I mean, you're right. You have to defeat the Jerichos in your life, the things that are holding you back, the things that are keeping you from doing that fear, um, triggers, all that different kind of stuff. And it does. It's encouraging to know that you can defeat it. Mm. And it's encouraging to know that you have conquered some of your Jerichos and gone through some of that and had that support system. So that's, that is very encouraging to me. It's really interesting, too, because, um, and I take you to the scripture where it talks about, you know, God specifically told Moses in the law, and, and you can read this, this scripture in the book, um, if you don't, if you don't do the work, and, and, and the, the word that he uses is dispossession, if you don't do the work of dispossession, um, these cities in, the, in, the, um, in Canaan will become as pricks in your eye or as thorns in your side, and they will bother you in the land in which you live. Um, and that really stuck out to me when God is telling Moses, if you don't defeat these cities in Canaan, they will be like as a prick in your eye. And I don't know about you. Like I ain't trying to have pink eye for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? I want to defeat. Right. I want to defeat that city so I can conquer um, and, 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 and assume all that God has for me in the promised land. That's a chapter I am conquering for you listeners out there in the book. Um, I am Rahab. I talk all about defeating these Jerichos. So for you, Shars, very personally, what? What about Rahab draws you in? What about Rahab is like, wow, um, I, I'm I'm connected with her. I think the fact that, you know, with her being a harlot and her kind of people identifying her as the sinful person and the fact that she held on to the promise, mm-hmm. um, she knew what God what God was bringing into her home and when she had, when she brought the spies in and she knew that the promise that he was going to do. And then to take that and to have her transform her sin into her, into her kind of her testimony to where she goes and she, um, she protects her family who she knew wasn't going to be happy about the fact that she went against Jericho um, and everything. But the fact that she just, she didn't let the sin stop her Mm. at that and that let that be her identity she chose to see what god was doing and had faith and trusted in god's grace for her identity to be something different than the harlot mm. i love that you said she didn't let sin stop her um that is so powerful i do i talk about that a little bit in the book about how sin your sin will not hinder you um tell me about you, you've started this ministry. Clearly, your sin has not stopped you. Um, tell me in your own life um, how you were able to sort of flip your testimony to actually minister. Tell, tell me that story, how your sin has not stopped you. Well, my sin hasn't stopped me because I, I have used every single thing in my life to try to do something good. So my, my, the domestic violence, the sexual assault, all that different kind of stuff has been used to help other people. Um, and I openly and freely talk about that. I've trained law enforcement to deal with domestic violence situations, and I've openly told my testimony, like, you can't judge a book by its cover. Um, my sin was my sin, but I'm, I'm dead in my sin, and I'm born new because of what Christ did for me. 
So even using my testimony and putting all my sin in there and laying it out on the table for people to see this is where I was, this is where I came from, but this is where I'm at now, and these are the opportunities that God gives you through His grace. Mm. Um, I want to do that. Mm. I want to do that. And that's the reason why um, my best friend and I started our ministry is because of the fact that so many women are going through the same thing in one way or another. And a lot of women don't know where their place is in the home, don't know where their place is in the community, and struggle so much. And um, I did. I didn't know when I was when I was 16 years old growing up. I didn't know how to be a wife. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what my role was. I was being told what my role was, but I wasn't being shown what my role was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I want I want women to see that God has more in store for us than mm-hmm. excuse the expression being barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to tell you, when I first moved to Montana from Colorado, God gave me a specific, specific vision of what my role was as a woman and what he wanted me to kind of let women know. So he, he's always told me, he's my foundation. Mm-hmm. Never crumbles, never shakes, never cracks, nothing. He's always yeah. going to be there, no matter how much the house falls. The yeah. foundation is always going to be there. But our men, our husbands, and the men out here in the community, they're the siding and the drywall and the roof. They're the protectors. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are protecting and providing and supplying. But women have a unique characteristic in the building of a house within the walls of Christ, and that is we're the pillars and the beams. Mm -hmm. We support the men. We lift them up. We take care of the appliances, which are our kids and our, you know, the stuff in our house. And if those beams and those pillars break, everything crumbles. Yeah. And stuff, and but we can't be strong in our friends, in our in our clothing, in our appearance, in our popularity, our followers. We have to be strong in God. Yeah. And if we're not 100% plugged in with the Holy Spirit and Scripture, those beams and pillars will crumble because we will no we will be no good for our kids or our husbands. Yeah, yeah. What is the name of your ministry, uh, Sharis? Made alive. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. What is y'all's mission? Like, what would you, what would you, do you have a mission statement? What's one thing that you're like, this is what we do? Um, well, we're still working on all that because we're still, it's still pretty new. But our okay. thing is to validate, uplift, encourage, and mentor women in, in the power of walking with Christ instead well, of the world. That is so um, amazing. I'm so excited for you. And you and your best friend are doing it. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. I, wow. You are just a breath of fresh air. I think, um, you know, when do you, when you say, listen, I know that God is my foundation and no matter what, um, no matter what comes, um, I, I'm stable in that. That's one thing that I, that I, uh, I internalize all the time, you know, when the, the Lord is our anchor, the Lord is, our rock. And, um, it's such a powerful thing. If you've got him in place, if he's your foundation, um, man, you can get through so much, just like you, you said out of your own mouth, even if the, the, um, the house falls, you know, you're going to be okay because the Lord is your foundation and rock. And Charis, it really sounds like, uh, you, you really internalized your own Rahab. So you are Rahab too, girl. You are Rahab. You can carry that, that mantle. Um, and I love that you said sin, sin isn't going to stop me. Sin, sin doesn't have to stop us. Um, 
what would you tell to that say to that girl right now who she is she feels like sin is stopping her and um she's embarrassed and she's not brave um she hasn't been able to be brave yet because she can't get past the lies what would be something that you would just encourage that woman with today i would encourage her to do a lot of self-talk on the promises that god writes in his scripture you are a daughter of a king. You are worthy. You are far more precious than rubies. Stand in the mirror and say that. And then overcome those fears and always telling Satan to get behind you, but to remember that God calls the most unqualified people <laughs> to become the most qualified people. And you may be one of those people who thinks that you're the least qualified to go out there and help somebody else out of their situation. But God right now is probably speaking to you and asking you to take a step forward in faith and to remember that he's got you yeah. so that you can help that person I love that and you s- mentor that person. I love that you said it most unqualified. I like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing, Sharis. <laughs> I'm the most unqualified person of all time. And yet God has said, girl, go do it. And so I said, okay, as long as you back me, um, as long as you got me, Lord, I'll do it. Charis, what a delight it is to talk to you. Thank you so much for lending us your story. I can't wait to come to Montana. It's going to be so fun. I can't wait for you to come either. We are looking so forward to it, and and we hope you love it. And oh, We're going to have it all set up for you really nice. I will. If you represent the people there, girl, I cannot wait. It's going to be a ball. It's going to be amazing. Thank you. All right. And thank you guys for listening so much to the show today. I hope these all encourage you. You can pick up a copy of I Am Rahab. Well, you can pre-order it um, anywhere books are sold. Love y'all so much. I will talk to you tomorrow right back here on The Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.